What's going on, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Drop-In. And as always, we have the most amazing guest stopping in our Better Rate Mortgage Studios here on Woodward. And I got to thank the Woodward Sports Network because they let us use this studio whenever we want, pretty much. Sam, thank you so much. Joey, freaking easy, has been priceless. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But on this episode of The Drop-In, I got to tell you, the guests that come through here, they always, almost, almost always will be like, you know, it would be great on your show. And they'd give me a name. And that's how Pat, uh, <laughs> actually how we were introduced, a past guest, Jeff Scroggs said, you know what? I think you and Pat would get along great. And I'll tell you what, from the first conversation, we were like, dude, you like hockey? You like punk rock? You like skateboarding? You like music? There were so many similarities, so I want to thank Jeff Scroggs as well for making the introduction, and I want to introduce you guys to my friend Pat. And Pat, I didn't ask you before we sat down here, proper pronunciation of your last name? Yes, it's Deneau. Deneau. All right, I was right. Yeah, I was yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's French-Canadian. You watch hockey, right? So yeah. you've probably seen that name somewhere in the NHL. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But how was your day, man? It's, it's uh, you know, it was a, a okay day here in southeastern Michigan. How, how was your day? Yeah, it was good. Uh, I took advantage of the nice weather. Uh, super stoked that uh, now that we're into May, maybe the snow is gone and uh, the sun's kind of peeking through a little bit. Um, got out for a bike ride, did some chores around the house, and uh, yeah, feels good. Dude, the awesomest. <laughs> the awesomest. We're in May, and maybe... Maybe the snow's gone. Michigan, man, it's like, you know, most of the eastern uh, United States, actually northeastern United States, the snow, I think the latest, I uh, I did some research, actually, and the latest was the second week of May. We got some snow back in 1920s, sure. um, yeah. but yeah, it can come anytime. It could happen tomorrow. Yeah. It's, you know, I like living in Michigan. I've lived I dig it. Like, I like that there are, like, like four hard seasons. Uh, you know, when uh, springtime rolls around, like, after winter is just finishing, you're like, oh, man, okay. Like, that's why we endured this winter was to, like, enjoy the, the sunshine some more. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like it builds character. And um, it's sort of, uh, you know, there are seasons of life and there are physical seasons around us here in Michigan. And, uh, yeah, I, I dig it. I'm just... Maybe get out skateboarding here. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Get a little sunburn. <laughs> yeah, we're getting we're getting into that season, and it's awesome. Here in southeastern Michigan, we have uh, skateboard parks everywhere. Uh, thanks to the Tony Hawk Foundation, yeah. we have them, um, I mean, within a 10-mile radius, we probably have 10, 10 parks now, yeah. and, and it's very accessible in all ages. All ages from, you know, 5-year-old boys and girls to 50, 60, 70-year-olds out in Ann Arbor coming out oh, and yeah. rolling around. Yeah, it, it's it, it's awesome. Yeah, it's killer. Um, I live pretty close to Riley, um, so that's like my home park. And it's kind of cool that no matter where you live in Metro Detroit, you can kind of have like a home base. Mm -hmm. um, oddly enough, uh, my wife and I uh, used to live in Ferndale, very close to Geary Park. Like, I could almost throw a baseball and hit that new skate park that's there now. Oh, yeah. It got built the summer that we left, that we moved over to the west side uh, of town. Um, that that park's really killer. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I like, you know, those transition-style um, sort of things. But, uh, yeah, if you're on the east side, there's a couple parks over there. And, uh, 
Yeah, it's a different time than it was when I was coming up in the 80s when you were chasing backyard ramps and you'd right. hear you'd hear a, a fable of a half pipe or something <laughs> somewhere and you would go on a mission where now you could pretty much have a map and, and uh, all across the state. You could hit different parks within. You won't drive more than an hour without hitting a cement skate park. So everybody watching this from across the United States, come visit Michigan. Yeah. Come on out, especially if you're a skateboarder. If you're not a skateboarder, come out and enjoy the seasons. I mean, in October, you got the leaves changing. You, It is such a rad place. And Pat actually grew up up north in Michigan, which is like a winter wonderland. And I'm super interested to know how it was growing up there because so many people when they talk about up north in Michigan, it's a vacation conversation. Yeah. And so how was it growing up in northern Michigan? Yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. So I grew up in uh, a little town called Walloon Lake, um, which is like right between Petoskey and Boyne City. Um, Way up north. Yeah, if you're looking yeah, on, on the hand map here, it's, it's up here. And uh, so in the 90s, there really wasn't like this Tim Allen-esque sort of like, And the summers are filled with wine tours and blah, blah, like that. It really wasn't quite like that, at least for for me when we grew up there. Um, it was great, and my sister Liz and I spent probably 24 hours a day outside, it seemed like. Like, I have little to no memories of being inside. Like, even in the middle of winter, we just found stuff to do outside. Um, got to snowboard a lot and ski. My dad was a, a ski patroller at Boyne Mountain. So, oh, cool. Yeah, so... Um, Spent a lot of time uh, at the two different Boeing um, ski resorts. Um, yeah, and it was cool. I did a lot of fishing. My grandpa lived up there, too. He retired um, in Petoskey um, after working for the Detroit News and then Channel 7 here in Detroit. Um, I think at the end of the 70s, early 80s. So we had family up there, and um, it was great. Um, but what I will say is, is it is difficult um, to really find a living up there, too. So, like you're saying, it is very much a tourist sort of uh, place, and it's great in the summertime, but, like, oftentimes all those downstate people from around here or wherever head back home, and then, you know, the economy maybe takes a dip. Right. You know, and then, you know, you get some skiers and stuff like that in the wintertime, but um, the economy up there is very much based in... Um, Michigan. Uh, right. The tourism yeah, yeah. drives it, especially, you know, up going up that way, there, there are a bunch of ski resorts and we have some world-class golf courses yeah, throughout. Golf. Yeah. But outside of that, there's those in-between times that, that the industry is downstate. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think my parents ultimately struggled with that. And we lived up in that area for probably, I don't know, maybe 12 years anyway. And, um, they, I think it's like they knew that it was going to benefit my sister and I being able to be like out in nature and enjoy like a slower lifestyle and um, be close to my grandpa who was up there and it was great. But I can, as you know, I'm growing my own family and I'm looking at like, how did they make ends meet mm -hmm. all the time? Like, how did they continue to put food on the table year round? Like, um, you know, a lot of service industry jobs. My dad had a side job putting in docks oh, uh, right. at some of the resort homes. So like. His regular job was as a printing pressman um, in the printing industry, mm -hmm. um, running big, like four-color uh, Heidelberg presses. Right. And, stuff like that. Um, and in the summertime, to make some extra cash, he would go and put in docks and my mom waited tables and um, stuff like that on the side. 
Um, so yeah, it it was it was amazing, and like part of me wants to get back there, and like I I would love to maybe live in an area like that. Um, but I know that you know our jobs are here, and the industry is here, and um, yeah, so we, we make it up at least once a year anyway, and uh, just take my daughter Isla around and show her where I grew up, and uh, cool. yeah, I go to the beach and stuff like that. And it's a beautiful area up there. I, I spent some time in Honor oh, yeah. up in that area, yeah, yeah. and you have the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes. Yeah. You have, I mean, that, that little pinky part of Michigan mm-hmm. is has got some amazing things. You're not far from the Mackinac Bridge. I mean, it's awesome, but yeah, you know, when you got to make ends meet, unless you're a school teacher for a community that has enough kids to even, yeah. you know, fill up a school, right. or you are something that's uh, uh, important to that city or township, yeah. industry isn't huge up there and so finding a way to pay the bills has got to be a challenge yeah yeah um it's uh it's something i think about frequently it's something i kind of think about writing songs about too yeah <laughs> yeah now you brought up your mom and uh and and you had mentioned her native american heritage yeah. did that play a big role in your upbringing yeah it it certainly did at times and then um other times not so much and that's something that like we're kind of like figuring out like even in this very moment and so my mom grew up in Sault Ste. Marie which is in Michigan's Upper Peninsula um, whole another peninsula <laughs> yeah uh, across the Mackinac Bridge and that area is a very heavy um, uh, Native American area mm-hmm. um, the Sioux tribe of Chippewa Indians is our tribe um, and my mom grew up uh, right in town there um, so living in the Petoskey area we were close and we would go up and visit family in the Sioux But I will say, like, even though I knew that we were Native and that my mom's parents were Native, my, all my cousins were, it wasn't something that was, like, often talked about. You know what I mean? Like, we, like, we didn't do a lot of the traditional Native stuff that um, you would see, like, uh, in textbooks. And right, like, like or people giving blankets at, at Christmas yeah. or having a traditional... You know, uh, celebratory meal or things of that nature. Exactly. Like, um, we, we didn't follow a lot of those traditions. And, like, as I've learned more about the culture and um, had more discussions with my mom about it, she, you know, has sort of come up with the, the concept that when her parents were growing up in Sault Ste. Marie, it was almost like, hey, you know what? We need, let's not, we don't need to be doing stuff like let's just kind of go into town and just blend in with everybody else and um through that you know it kind of gets passed down and then culture gets lost well and historically that uh traditionally that divide did cause some conflict in certain places and 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 native americans were treated differently and maybe to separate themselves a little bit more and in and and become part of of the culture wherever that was yeah. downstate yeah that might be a maybe the reason why yeah and and so like it's it's a tough thing to tackle at times because you know part of me you know i'm trying to pass down um native traditions and cultures to my daughter now you know but like we didn't necessarily grow up with it in our house like on a regular basis right right um i can tell you that um one time my mom brought me into um into town which was petoskey to join a drum circle, and the uh, the native band there, the Ogawa Indians there, they were, um, I guess, like 
hey, come on down and try this out. And it was at like a middle school in town. So I don't know, I was maybe in the fifth or sixth grade or something, and maybe showing some general interest in music. And I was like, oh, well, this would be a good opportunity. Right? Mm-hmm. So we went there, and like I was like overtaken by it. Like it was like so loud and so powerful, and there's probably only six guys sitting on this drum. And um, I'm like, man, like I really want to do that. Yeah. Like, how do I like let me in there? You know. Um, but like I was intimidated. You know, like I liked watching, but like I didn't know how to introduce myself, or you know, and right. my mom didn't pressure me into it, which was which was great. Um, but that was the first time I was like, oh, okay, like yeah, like these these sort of traditional elements are still happening. Um, and like if I wanna. Uh, dig deeper into it, like, it's there. Um, my sister um, got really involved with the tribe, and she took um, Ojibwe language lessons at Michigan State. Oh, cool. Yeah, and she was um, part of the, she's actually president of her um, Native American student organization at State, um, and she did some powwows and stuff when we were kids, so, like, it was there, for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but, like, a lot of people ask me, Nowadays, like, oh, you're Native American, like, wow, that's uh, got like eagle feathers and stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, well, that is a thing, but like, that's a real sacred thing, you know? Like, you don't just like have a bunch of them around, right? Right. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, um, like there are elements of it that um, I'm connecting with and like trying to um, incorporate into my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, a lot of that can be traced back to uh, our time in Northern Michigan for sure. Yeah. And the, the native culture is, is amazing. You know, I've, I've developed some strong friendships uh, with some friends out in Albuquerque, oh, in cool. Denver, yeah. and, and done s- uh, different events over the years. And just some of the tradition just blows me away, blows me away because I've gotten to actually experience it and be oh, a yeah. part of it. And it, it's rad, uh, especially when you start to find a way to intertwine it into your daily life. Um, as little or as big as you need to, yeah. just because staying connected to to that, especially in this country, I think is is so important. So it's, important. Yeah, it's there's a um, it's it's fulfilling culture. It's um, it's taking care of your elders. It's taking care of Mother Nature. It's taking care of your body. Yeah. Um, it's everything that they're, that uh, they're talking about is good. And it's living on purpose. There's yeah, a purpose to yeah. almost everything you do yeah. in the native culture, and I love that. Yeah. I love that part about it. Yeah. Um, so I'll, I'll teach you um, an Ojibwe word. So Ojibwe is the, the language that our tribe um, speaks. So the Sioux tribe of Chippewa Indians up north uses Ojibwe as their main language, as do many other tribes in Michigan. So, um, so I will say thank you to you for... Um, sort of understanding a little bit more about native culture mm-hmm. and appreciating it. And the way you say thank you is miigwech. Miigwech. Yep. And if you're really thankful to somebody, you say she miigwech. Okay. So thank you very much. Ah, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah. Did you guys, you getting this? Educational show. The drop-in is educational. Yeah, I always say get your notebook out, write it down. And so remember these things. Remember the little lessons that you pick up here on the drop-in, especially with my boy Pat. And I want to thank you again for coming in today. Um, you know, it, it's it's always rad to meet new people, to have new stories and different yeah. things like that. Now, uh, early in your teens, you had quite a tra- transitional time because you guys moved 
into the Metro Detroit area yeah. and coming from up north, that had to be quite a culture shift. It was wild, yeah. Um, I had been to Detroit before. In fact, uh, I was born at Bon Secours, like on the east side mm -hmm. up in uh, Grove Point. Um, and my parents' first house was actually in Detroit on the east side on Bishop Street. Um, so we were sort of originally from Detroit, and our family core was, and then we went up north when I was really young. Um, coming back to Detroit, um, yeah, like, all of a sudden, school was very hard. I remember, like, that was the first thing. Um, the, the school district that I was in up north um, was great, but, like, nowhere near where um, I went to school when we came down here. It was mm -hmm. much faster paced, and I remember specifically, um, like, struggling and going to see one of my teachers. It was a science class, and I was in the eighth grade, and saying, like, I understand that you're talking, like, to this class, and we have a textbook, but I have no idea what's going on here. Like, it just looks like a foreign language to me at this point. And I remember she was like, wow, like, what do you mean? I don't understand. Like, what do you, you none of this is familiar to you? I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> like, and that took a lot for me to say that, you know, because. Uh, right. Yeah, it was, it, like, you want to succeed. You want to, like, pass the stuff like everybody else in your class, right? But at that time, it's such a transitional time for anybody being in their early teens and you don't want to get a reputation and you yeah. don't want to step out of line. So that took quite a bit of fortitude to step up and say, I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Yeah. And like, yeah, you're trying to make friends mm -hmm. right? and you're trying to fit in and, uh, all my friends were still up North, you know? So like, and now I don't understand what's going on at school, you know? Like, right. Yeah. So difficult uh, on certain things and like I remember you know sometimes there'd be a fight and things like that and, like I don't want to fight anybody you know <laughs> like like please do not fight me right, like, right. <laughs> I'd rather not uh, but you know maybe that stemmed from some of the learning issues that I was having and uh, you know I, I ended up getting it sorted out and my parents found tutors for me and uh, um, I battled through it but uh, I'm, I'm I'm thankful that we made the move when we did because, like, Metro Detroit, Detroit area is, like, um, I don't know. It's where I, I feel most at home. You know? Okay. Yeah. And then in, it, this, uh, this is always awesome because I, I love, especially if – if somebody is into skateboarding or got into skateboarding or punk rock, when they got into it is is so important. Yeah. If it's in their in their early childhood, in their teens, in their twenties, it, it's very indicative of the impact it's going to have on your life. And and for you, when did Thrasher magazine, skateboarding, punk rock get inserted into your life? Yeah, so that probably runs right around this into when we moved uh, to Metro Detroit from up north. Um, I knew about skateboarding up north. Uh, I was a snowboarder as a young kid and um, was definitely interested in skateboarding. But, like, in northern Michigan, like, particularly where I lived, there, was, there were no curbs. Right. Like, the, the, the little village or town township that we lived in, like, it was just houses. Like, even if I wanted to, like, um, wax up a curb and just do, like, a 50-50, there was no place to do that. Right. Like, I spent a lot of time in... Um, my parents' garage, just like doing kickflips and top shelves and things like that. Um, so when we came to Metro Detroit, um, I fell in with some kids, like this growing band of biking children uh, <laughs> that were uh, the coolest people I'd ever seen. Um, I don't know, these, they had like 
cool skater shoes and like this is after uh, Jinko jeans, but you know, oh, like, yeah. um, I don't know, like uh, just a shirt that said America on it, and like I was like, oh man, I gotta get in with them. Uh, so a real close buddy of mine, Andrew McGuire, um, he's a photographer now. He does a lot of like lifestyle, action, sports type photography. He lives in um, uh, Breckenridge area. He was one of the first guys that I kind of latched onto with skateboarding, and so I remember just starting to skateboard through my neighborhood and, like, kind of get back into it, right? And, like, oh, wow, like, I can just skate down the street mm-hmm. and there's a little downtown area um, and there's curbs everywhere and, like, oh, my God, there's stairs. And so I remember in school, kids would be like, you know, after school, um, we're going to hit that four set at, uh, at Annerman, mm-hmm. the elementary school. And uh, I'm like, well, you're going to do a four set today. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, no, I'm... Yeah, should see me up north. Uh, just like uh, eight sets were everywhere, so um, yeah, four, yeah, four sets, fine. And yeah, I can't wait to get there. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, everybody gets off the school bus and you, you meet at at the spot. And um, yeah, like I remember just um, like really connecting uh, with with the, that group of kids. And like I remember specifically like thumbing through Thrasher magazine. I'd seen those magazines and skate videos at, there was one skate shop in Petoskey up north. Like, I was afraid to touch it. Like, I was afraid to, like, grab the magazine off the rack because, like, I was young, you know, I was, like, in the seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And, like, it looked gnarly. Right. You know, but now all of a sudden kids have them in their backpacks, you know, at school. Like, here's your, here's your list, you know. Yes. And I remember seeing, like, punk rockers in there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what band, Bane's Descendants or All or something. And, and those the pictures of people playing guitar and, like, people doing, like, uh, stage dives mixed with pictures of dudes grinding down handrails. Yeah. That just opened up my mind, like, in such a big way, you know? Yep. I, uh, (laughs) similar experience. First time I ever saw Thrasher, Transworld. Yeah. You know, Thrasher was actually newsprint when I first started, like, reading it. And it it would come off on your fingers. Wow. But, um, But seeing that together... You know, not only skateboarding, but the culture that came with it, the artistic side of it, the guys drawing and creating art like I'd never seen before, the music that I had never heard before, but the soundtrack to that, to the culture, that drew me in as much as anything. And for you, it even had a little bit of a bigger impact at a young age because guitar made its way into your life as well. But was that um, after high school? Or was that during high school yeah, when that, you picked up a guitar? Yeah, so that was um, it's almost like I started skateboarding for real. And then the magazines and, like, I don't know, it wasn't that long after Dookie came out, you know, by Green Day. So, like, I don't know, maybe 99 at this point, um, 2000, as I entered high school, I remember I needed a guitar. Like, you didn't want one you you had to have it yeah yeah like it was just an important part of the whole process like okay cool i got this skateboarding thing down pretty good but like the whole package is gonna Mm -hmm. follow guitar uh for me moving forward and uh my dad took me to wonderland music um which is no longer there Uh, i was on um novi road north of grand river um my 96 there really cool mm-hmm. old sign that's still there really cool wonderland music plaza sign um and we went in there and the budget was minimal um and i think it was for maybe christmas or something and uh 
my dad like was always encouraging my mo- my mom and dad were both encouraging like me pursuing arts and like I was into photography and stuff like that already at that point. But um, yeah, so there was just a cheap red knockoff strap. It just said Crestwood on it. I don't even know if that's a brand or what, but mm-hmm. it wore off like fast. The the, the logo on there. Um, yeah, so it just started with that strap. Um, I guess maybe early in the ninth grade, or between the eighth and ninth grade, summertime. And um, now I'm now I'm almost thirty six, and I yeah. like still I still have that guitar. It's, it's crazy how instruments do that because you know when we talked before the show, and I didn't start playing drums till I was eighteen. And there was times when, you know, if I was on the road or something, there was five years that I didn't play, but I would ask a friend, you know, hold on to these. I'll be back for them. I swear I'll be back for them. And it doesn't happen with everybody who picks up a musical instrument, but so often somebody will pick up a harmonica, a washboard, a guitar, a a set of drums, and it becomes something that they're passionate about that sticks with them for their whole life. It does. Yeah. It's, um, it becomes an extension of you. Yeah. Yeah, I had, I had similar times with guitar where, um, I don't know, maybe I was just, like, super focused on my career or whatever, and uh, I don't know, I would look at the guitar, I would see it, I'm like, uh, probably out of tune, better not play it. Right, <laughs> you know? right, right. You know, so, but yeah, it, but when it comes back to you, it's like, it's just part of you. Yeah, you and know? it's it's like a book, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, you can read a book, and it's like you're, you loved it 20 years ago. Sure. And you pick it up today, and you love it, but you love it for different reasons. It means something different for you. And, and with uh, a musical instrument, very similar, because in, in our early life, we might be into this gnarly, raging music, and we just want to pound the crap out of it. And then later on, maybe you hone your craft. Maybe you're into a little bit more storytelling or something yeah. else. And it, it and I think that's one of the, uh, uh, the great benefits of a musical instrument. It's killer. It's, I recommend it for everyone. Yeah, I so many people tell me like, um, you know, so I'm a firefighter and I work with a lot of uh, uh, different firefighters um, on different shifts and stuff like that. And guys are always like, "Man, I, c- I couldn't do what you do, man. The way you play that guitar, that's that's wild. Like, I just don't have any. I don't have a musical bone in my body." I'm like, "You probably do, right? You know, like just find it. Like, fi- like pick up the harmonica. Like, it might give you some joy. Mm-hmm. Even if you don't, even if you're not looking for it, just." Play on a harmonica, and like all of a sudden you're like, oh, that felt good. Right. You know? Right. Well, since we're talking about music, uh, and you do have a guitar sitting right there, yeah. would you like to uh, play a track for our awesome uh, drop-in viewers? I would love to. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. We might have to do a little manipulating. You know how it is. We're going to adjust the mic so you guys can hear it and all that kind of good stuff. But um, I would be honored if you would rock, because I love... Uh, your band and what you're doing and so this yeah. is a, a a gem of a treat for myself as yeah, well thanks, yeah. so um let's see if we can make sure everything gets picked up i think that's actually in a pretty good shot are you gonna play and sing yeah all right let's see if we can Um, put out a record last November. It's called Waiting on a Win. 
and um, super proud of it. It's uh, 10 songs that we found a way to sort of all weave together um, that uh, sort of tell one big story. Um, so if you go back and listen to it, you know, there's some highs and lows and things like that. We released a couple singles off of it. Um, this song I'm about to play is not one of them. Um, and like, for some reason, this one sort of became everybody's favorite song in the group. And it's a self-referential song. Um, and it's just a fun story I like telling. And it's called uh, East Door and Ironworks. The City Lines live only on the drop-in. On the drop-in. Thank you so yeah, much, dude. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, it felt good. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So now we got We're going to get back into the interview now. That was just like the, the interlude. Give you guys a little taste. Um, but thank you so much. So much. Cool. Yeah. Adjust mics. Yeah. Get back yes. into it. Yes. Yes, thank you. Thank yeah, you, so thank you. And I do love the storytelling. I'll tell you, um, two of my favorites, 
Uh, I mean, most punk rockers like Johnny Cash. I like him for the storytelling elements, and I love a gentleman named Nick Cave. I like Nick oh, Cave yeah. and the Bad Seeds, yeah. and he's like the dark theater Johnny Cash. Every song is a story, and some are 14 minutes long. Right. I don't know how he remembers them, but um, <laughs> the storytelling, I think, is so important, and I got that. I cool. got that when cool. you were playing, and I could see it. Like it, I was like visualizing different things, and, um, and so thank you. Yeah. Thank you very yeah. much. Yeah, yeah. So uh, back to our interview. Uh, following high school, uh, you decided to attend Wayne State, which is where I went as well. Um, and that was another sort of life-changing experience for you as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, growing up in the suburbs of Detroit, um, it's uh, you're very far removed from what's going on in the city. Mm-hmm. And I remember a lot of my high school friends were um, – off to college to like Western or Central or Grand Valley. And I was like, oh, that's cool. You're, like, you're gonna go to school in a cornfield? Or mm-hmm. like, um, cool, maybe I'll come visit you sometime. You know? Or go back up to Michigan Tech, which is, oh, geez, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not that, that much different, really. No, no. Um, so for me, like as I was telling you, I had trouble learning um, as a youngster. For me, part of the experience, like, needed to be in the city um i needed to like get some of those like outside of the classroom educational Mm -hmm. experiences you know what was so great about wayne state was um it was like so diverse there are students from all over the world there yeah um i worked in the admissions department there um when i was like maybe a freshman um just stuffing um envelopes just a really easy little part-time gig and they were admissions or decline letters, you know, to get. And I remember mailing letters to places that I had never even heard of before. Oh, man. Kids that were coming to Detroit to learn at Wayne State. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, this is really cool. Like, I'm touching this envelope that's going to go across the globe, and this kid's going to come here, and maybe I'm going to see him, like, walking down Cass or whatever. Um, and culturally, the location of Wayne State, for what you're talking about, you have the Detroit Institute of Arts. You yes. have the giant public library. To the left, by five minutes, you have uh, the new center area. You go down Woodward to the right about ten minutes, and you have the Fox Theater in, in downtown. It's such a rad location. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, yeah, so I studied fine art there, um, which is um, wild because I became a firefighter. And, right. Uh, that's not necessarily part of our daily uh, stuff as firemen, but... Uh, yeah, it, it was a great place to study art. Um, I loved all the instructors. Like, several of my photography teachers um, had lived in the city for years, and, like, mm-hmm. we'd go out to eat at the traffic jam and stuff after class and um, Cass Cafe and found our way to the old Miami sometimes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was, uh, it was just huge. Um, I really love that time. I uh, met my wife, Krista. We met in uh, Old Main, which is uh, that really cool old historic building that's at Cass and Warren. Which, when I went there, it was the rooms were numbered so ridiculously that you couldn't find <laughs> anything in that building, yeah. and it made no sense at all. No, in fact, I think there's like two fourth floors. <laughs> right, like, right. I, Nothing made sense. No, no. But it's a beautiful building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like a huge part of my heart is, uh, is tied to my experience there and In that song I just performed was kind of uh, about that time uh, in my life, and 
specifically sitting on a curb and looking down on the sewer grates, if you look at any sewer grate in the state of Michigan, most of them I found have a branding on it that says East Jordan Ironworks. Ah. So they're made, you know, in East Jordan, Michigan, which is up north. So I always had this weird connection, and, I, and I've been looking for these my whole almost adult life. Even in the city of Detroit, you walk down the street, and I'd look at a sewer cap or, like, um, you know, those round s- circle um, caps that go in the center of the mm-hmm. street. I'm like, I wonder where that one's made. And some of them are made in Detroit. It's like Detroit Foundry Company. But a lot of them are in Detroit. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird tie that I have between, um, you know, Detroit and uh, northern Michigan. Yeah, and so many who are watching the show now, anytime they're in Detroit, they're going to be looking down at the grades, <laughs> looking for East Jordan Ironworks. Uh, you know, you, you brought up a couple of times um, your career now, which is uh, fighting fires. When when did you decide, like, running into burning buildings is going to be cool, man? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Um, so when we lived up north, my dad was actually a volunteer firefighter. And he was on the ski patrol. So, like, I had seen him my whole life, like, always helping people. Like, he had his regular job working at the printing shop. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, he had always had this drive to go and just help other people. So, um, when I was at Wayne State, um, there was an ad in the paper for a local suburban fire department that was looking for applicants, and they would train you. Um, they would pay for all your EMT schooling, your firefighter one or two certifications at the state. And um, my mom saw it in the newspaper and was like, hey, Dad, did you just write this out? Um, and I was like, kind of, you know, that seems like, how, how could I do that, you know? Right. Um, put in an application, and I got hired. And it was kind of like a part-time academy, so I was able to go to Wayne State and um, do that. And then I was doing a fire training on the side. And, like, I instantly fell in love with it. Like, from the second I got to put on the uniform, I was like, oh, man, like, this is, this is great. Like, it, because um, what it stands for, like, ultimately, like, as a firefighter, you're just, your whole, your sole purpose is just to go and help people. Yeah. And what I found over the years is it's not, it's not always fighting fires. Um, in some communities, yeah, like, I know the city of Detroit really, they, they've had a fire problem for a long time, but. Sometimes it's just about, like, helping a senior person get out of their car and um, get a shopping cart as they walk into the grocery store. Mm-hmm. You know, like, if you have the regular bus and they're going to pick up food. Like, we just do stuff like that all the time. And, like, you get all these small little wins um, that you kind of stack up as a firefighter. Like, um, just small little um, stuff like pumping up a, a kid's uh, bike tire at right. the station. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so I find it really fulfilling there, and, uh, you know, we do EMS, too, which is emergency medical service. So, like, that's a big part of what we do now, um, and we do a lot of uh, fire prevention work, too. So, like, what I really enjoy doing is trying to connect with people outside of um, emergency situations. Right. Because oftentimes when we show up and your house is on fire, like, you know, you're like, hey, how, how's your day going? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> right. yeah, nice house, you know. Uh, you know, often it's like, please get out of the way. Like, we gotta, we got to get in there as fast as we can. You know, we step the line and um, put ourselves in danger. Um, but in those non-emergency situations, being able to connect with the community. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's the best part for me. It, when I was younger, I definitely loved going to fires. I loved um, putting the hose on my shoulder and getting to the front door before everybody else and get my mask on. And I always wanted to be the first guy in. And 
Um, so like maybe I pulled off of that a little bit, but there are other guys younger right. than me that are doing that now. So maybe my focus is more on like community outreach and explaining um, what the fire department does in the community. Um, I help uh, in the summertime run a youth academy. Oh, cool. Yeah, and that has like totally changed the way that I think about being a public servant. Like, um, it's usually kids like 13 to 15 years old, and there's roughly 20 of them, and they can come from all over Metro Detroit. So some kids come from some tough neighborhoods, and some kids don't, um, but they all have an interest in um, fire police work or EMS work, and um, getting to work with those kids, it's just a week, but it's just so fulfilling. Yeah. Uh, and tiring. It's, I tell the guys at the firehouse, like, I am more tired running around with those kids all day than, you know, sometimes a day's work, you know, responding to calls um, and trying to keep up with them. Well, and it's rad when you get to inspire somebody, no matter what age, and you see that, that inspiration happen. Like, you can watch it in their face or their actions where you actually connect. And, and that, I, I don't even think you can explain or scientifically measure what that feeling does for both parties. Yeah. Yeah, it's huge. It's, um, it's like, if I can just give a little bit like that um, on a regular basis, just feels good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I dig it. It's, I'm at this, like, weird point in my career now where I've been on uh, almost 15 years, so like I'm in like the mid, I'm not the young guy anymore. Right. I'm not the young fast dude. And you're not the dude long in the tooth. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so you kind of have to find ways to, um, like new ways to appreciate the job and like keep yourself excited mm -hmm. about it. And um, yeah, like connecting with those kids is, is definitely, it, yeah, it's been great. Well, and what you said is so rad, like, you know, when you started, you wanted to be the first one in the building, and then in, in, in now we're, we're 15 years in, and your role has, is sort of shifting a little bit, yeah. and I think the most successful people in any profession, I always, I like to bring up uh, Steve Eisenman, and if you're a Detroit native, you know who Steve Eisenman is, if you're not, he's the, one of the most legendary Detroit Red Wings uh, ever to play the game in the National Hockey League, and throughout his career, his role shifted. And that's why he stayed with one team, because in the beginning, he was the goal scorer. In the middle, he was more of the defensive guy, uh, playmaker. And then towards the end, he was that role player who could yeah. who would fill those roles. And that's why he, he did that. And that's what uh, you reminded me of, where I, I want to be the point guy in the beginning. I'm young. I'm freaking virile. Yeah. I want to fight fires. Yeah. And now you're like, you know what? Um, my view of public service has shifted a little bit and getting the cat out of the tree or helping somebody right. unload their groceries right. is very important right. right now. And the next phase, who knows what that will be. But, say, yeah. but that transition and that growth is super rad. Yeah, I appreciate that. That's, um, I haven't even thought about it. I, it. It's funny that you mentioned that. I remember like when you go through interviews for promotions and things like that, you know, they say like, um, you know, what's your leadership style? Or like, you know, how are you going to um, motivate your people or whatever? Um, and I always think about Steve Eisenman. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, uh, you know, just growing up watching him, he was often silent, but, like, he always went out, or not silent, but, like, he said the right thing at the right time, and he led by example a lot. But you're, you're uh, saying he's silent. I think he wasn't the flamboyant yeah. guy who needed to be at the front of the camera yeah. all the time, and he was this humble, quiet leader. That's the best way to describe it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. And now he's building teams all over the uh, – and he's back in Detroit, and it's super cool. It, yeah. Super cool to see yeah. him uh, here. But, um, 
yeah, you know, if you can grow, no matter where you're at in your life, if you're in a professional career, if you're, as we grow, as we age, as we learn, get gain more wisdom, our, our roles shift in, in no matter what part of your life. And if you can grow and shift with those roles, I think the fulfillment uh, is is off the charts. And, yeah. and like with you, who knows? Maybe in, in five years you end up being the captain or or, or you move into a uh, something else, a, a wonderful friend of mine um, who's been with the fire uh, Detroit firefighters for a while. Yeah. He ended up going, you know, I want to be arson investigator. Oh, he yeah. went to the police academy. Now he's the arson investigator. Love he loves helping people. Yeah. He is just one of the most amazing humans. Yeah. And I think you have to have some of that in you getting into that profession. You do, yeah. That's a tough job, the arson thing. And, like, I think another way to look or to another way that I'm sort of understanding this, too, is about myself is, like, yeah, there are there are other ways to help people uh, other than just, like, the outward, like, I'm here to help you by extinguishing your fire. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, that, yeah, going into arson is hopefully you can solve it, right? And right. figure out who burned your house down and uh, um, and then that way they can move forward and get past that tragedy, you know? So rad. Yeah. So rad. And, and yeah. thank you for what you're doing because yeah. uh, it is such an important part and, and I don't know too many people in my life that would say, yeah, I think running in burning buildings, that, that sounds like a good way to pay the bills. Yeah. I don't know a lot of people, but it takes a special kind of person, and I believe you are one of those uh, as you're proving with your actions. Well, thank you. Yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, it feels good. And now let's get back to something a little more lighthearted because <laughs> you rocked a tune here. You talked about the city lines. Uh, how long you guys been together? How did that come together? Because you're making some pretty amazing music. Yeah, thank you. Um, so at some point, uh, maybe about three-ish years ago, I was in a rut. Maybe, you know, kind of like what we're talking about, like trying to find a new way to redefine your career or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, I was sort of going through some periods where I'm like, wow, I'm like experiencing grief for the first time. And, you know, being a firefighter, you're exposed to a lot of gnarly things. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that goes for any sort of community that you work in. You could work in the nicest affluent community uh, there is, and there's still going to be weird things. Like, there's weird things happening to human beings. And uh, so I remember thinking, where's where's my guitars like i think that like i need to start figuring this out and put it out through the guitar mm-hmm. and um so i just started strumming on some songs and um playing cover songs in my basement and then um i thought well maybe like i don't know i should start writing about like some of the stuff i see at work and how that makes me feel and um so i started like just taking notes like throughout the day like on my cell phone just cell phone notes like Oh, this is like a really weird thing that happened and like luckily it worked out you know and i'll just make a little note about it and then so somehow i started turning those into like lyrics and um i reconnected with some old buddies from high school um my good buddy brandon benson who was living in dallas at the time i started to learn how to record on the computer mm-hmm. using like garage band or whatever and i'd send him these demos and he's he's in dallas and he's like oh wow dude these are great um we should do something like this. And at the time, I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know if I want anybody to hear this. You know, like, it's right. cool with you hearing it, but uh, let's just kind of keep it in-house. <laughs> right. You know? um, so anyway, he moves back into town. We recruit a drummer, um, a lead guitar player, and then, like, we started work on an album. And um, fortunately, um, 
uh, Brandon um, was working at a recording studio in Plymouth called Plymouth Rock, and uh, cannot say enough great things about uh, our experience there. And um, we cut this album, and uh, it was like the most cathartic and often trying things that I've done. Like, how is playing guitar and singing hard? Like, it shouldn't be, right? It was harder for me than running into a house that's on fire. Yeah, it, it was difficult, you know, like going into a, a studio setting and um, putting out some of the words that I had sort of kept secret for a long time nice. and uh, getting to a point where I was playing the guitar at a professional level that we could use, you know, it was really difficult. But um, man, like I'm just so proud of the record and like every time we play together, there is a synergy that I almost can't even describe. Yeah. It's almost kind of... It, feels like when you finally land a trick that you've been working on on a skateboard. Like, you've tried a 360 flip a hundred times and it's just not going to work. It's never going to happen. And then one time, like, it's if it's the connection of the neurons, if it's just the, the uh, stars align that day, yeah. but you get it. Yeah. It you just, get it. Yeah, and, like, your feet land, like, square across the hardware. Yeah. And, like, you're not, like, whoa, almost kind of fall off, you know? Yep. I, that counts. Um, that's what playing music with those guys feels like to me it feels like landing that trick like 10 times in a row yeah um like you know i know you play drums and you're uh, playing with sailfish and i know that you know this feeling but like when you're in it and everybody's locked in and you like maybe played the same song like three times in a row and finally that fourth time you're like oh man yeah you sound like a rock and roll band right you know just i don't know it's uh when that connection happens, and I believe in common consciousness, sure. I'm a huge fan that if you get, you know, four or five people in the room with a, a similar goal, magic happens. One of my favorite things playing in bands is when you're jamming that first song for the first time. You got a riff, you bring it in, bass player's picking up on the riff, and you guys are just going after it. And then unannounced, nobody even knows and you all change at the exact same time, or you have a stop, yeah. and nobody talked about it, and you guys do, and, and I'm getting goosebumps talking about it, <laughs> because it's such a crazy thing that just happens when you're in that room, in that moment. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like divine. It's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, I know that exact feeling too, because like, maybe you're, you know that that pause might go there, like when you played it at home or whatever, you take it to the, group or whatever and you're playing it like i don't feel like explaining every part of this song like i don't you know i don't like, okay after the second verse we should do a little bloop. right right you know you just kind of like hey guys i got the song let's see how it sounds right and everybody joins in yeah and then like the second verse is about to start and all of a sudden and like everybody lands on the same thing and i'm like i'm like what it, right like, what just happened it's magic yeah. man it's yeah. magic yeah i love it yeah yeah, when you can find guys that uh, or girls that you do that with, there is something special about that. Now, how often do you guys practice? Do you practice regularly? Like, what? how often? Yeah, yep. so we, we get together usually once a week, um, and we call it City Lions Night. And um, the three of us in the group are dads, and we all have full-time jobs, and um, it's, it's hard to carve out time to do anything. Right. right. But um, we found a way to make, like, two hours work on a Sunday night, and um, and that's that's been great. Like, I, I really often look forward to that. Um, our bass player is on tour right now with this other group. They're called Weird Reunion, and they're on tour with E6 right now. Um, so we've been practicing without him, and uh, uh, can't wait 
Syria. I was back in town, and um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's a cathartic sort of therapeutic. Even when it's not going right, like even like when you you feel like you're not playing well, mm-hmm. it still feel you know you're putting like energy out into the world, and um, yeah, it just feels incredible. You know? Well, and so much. Um and this goes with skateboarding, it goes with drop-in hockey, it goes with so many things that we've talked about. Uh, the, 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 the things that are, end up being so important are not the actual activity. It's the camaraderie with your friends. It's the, you know, talking trash. It's, it's, yeah. it's that connection. I mean, the music is, is, is why you all show up, right. but everything else that comes with it, it almost ends up being as important. I think you're right. Yeah, it's, that I've known in my life thus far has been like team based. Hmm. Like I grew up playing hockey, you know. You gotta figure out a way to fit in on the team, right? Right. What's your role? Uh, in firefighting, you don't do anything alone. Like you're right. part of a crew of four, and uh, so I, I really enjoyed that. And like that sort of translates to being in a in a band. Um, this this sort of mentality, this pack mentality. You know, mm-hmm. um, we we um, we succeed together and we fail together. And then if somebody is dragging their feet a little bit, you know, the other guys pick them up or, or it, yeah. it, it, it is rad. Yeah. It's rad. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Now, around town, uh, what kind of gigs are you guys playing and do you have anything scheduled coming up? Yep, we do. Um, so we got a gig later this month on May 21st um, and it's for the North Hill Skate Park Project. Um and if you guys watch the show, we talked all about it. If you haven't, go back and watch the Northville uh, Skate Park Project show here on the drop-in because uh, Jeff Scroggs and, and Gabriella Dune were on the show. We talked all about and ironically, it's called the Drop-In Beer Fest. He called and asked beforehand, but uh, you guys will be uh, playing uh, that day. Yep, yep. So that, that's, uh, that's an event that's near to my heart because like that will be uh, my new home skate park. Yeah. It'll, it'll be a little bit closer than Riley. I'm super stoked to be playing there. Um, me and uh, Jack uh, Spivey, um, our lead guitar player and uh, songwriting partner of mine, we're going to be playing it acoustically. Um, so that's going to be kind of fun because it's an outdoor event. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after that, we got a gig July 16th at Ladder 4 Detroit, which is a new wine bar that opened in a retired firehouse. And, like, that is the culmination of, like, all things yeah. uh, in my life. Um to get to go play rock and roll in an old uh, firehouse, um, yeah. So check them out. And uh, where is that? Where is that at in the city? Yeah, it's like it's on the west side, uh, west of Porktown, maybe not even five minutes, um, just north of Michigan Avenue, um, kind of by like MLK Boulevard. There, it's kind of. So it's on the fringes of downtown. It's right in the middle yeah, of everything. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, yeah. It's and you could come check out the gig and go downtown if you wanted, or vice versa. Um, we're still working on some of the other bands, but uh, Twin Deer is going to be playing with us, and they're a really cool indie pop, dreamy, really reverby female-fronted group that um, we really like. And um, and then we're playing North Center Brewing in downtown Northville, uh, an acoustic gig, on uh, August 26th, on Friday. So we're gonna cool, and we'll go over it more uh, yeah. before we end the show, but if, if folks uh, watch and want to keep up with you, what's the best way to keep up with uh, the band? Oh, yeah, so Instagram is our main thing. Um, we do have a website, um, just the citylinesmusic.com, um, but Instagram is the best way to get a hold of one of us through, um, if you want to play with us or 
if you want to say or write us a message and say, hey, I like I'm a firefighter and I like guitars too. Like that'd be great. I right. Would like to, yeah, connect with. I'd love to connect with anybody. That's that's what this whole thing is about. Is just sort of making connections with with people. You know. And on Instagram, it's at the City Lines Music. Correct. Yes. Yep. Okay. Cool. Very cool. Well, you know. Uh, do you ever get it? Do you get to skate much these days? <laughs> I had to ask. Yeah, you. yeah. Do yeah. you get out on your board at yeah. all? So not nearly as much as I would like to, but like I am sort of rediscovering skateboarding um, now through my daughter. Um, Isla is like two and a half, and every time we go outside and go in the garage, like to get her soccer ball or her wagon or something, she's like, "I will skateboard." I'm like, "Yep." Isla can skateboard. Let's do it. And so we got her a helmet. Oh, cool. And I, I usually just like put her, put her up on the board and like hold her hands and we skate back and forth on the, the sidewalk. And then like she'll be like she'll get tired of that and she'll be like, Daddy skateboard. <laughs> so, then, um, so then you know I'll do like a, a manual down the, the sidewalk and uh, ollie over my helmet or something. You right. Know, uh, to impress her, but um, yeah, it's it's tough, you know, um, particularly with you know working at the firehouse and. Right. Um, doing this music thing and being a present husband and dad. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm particularly excited about the notion that there might be a skate park within like a few minutes of my house. Right. Uh, with this Norco thing. And uh, I'm looking forward to that because I will, I will, I will make time available for that. Well, know? and if your young lady decides to take a shine to it, I yeah. mean, the, the women around the world are just yeah. Like the, so amazingly talented. I and and mark my words, there's gonna be a time soon where there's not a men's and a women's division because yeah. it's gonna be like this. I really think I watched a lot of uh over the last few years, you know, with the do action sports tour and the Olympics and all that stuff. Uh just that that line is getting in 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 with kids uh being able to get into it younger. To have it uh, so accessible yeah. uh, as it is now, man, it's so rad. That's a yeah, that's a great point. I think skateboarding, like right now, it it seems very exciting. Um, I follow some skateboarders on Instagram, and I'm like in barracks. Um, yeah, like some of the stuff that I'm seeing, I just can't even like comprehend how these skaters are figuring figuring out these tricks. Um, it's video game for real. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm stoked on it, and I really hope my daughter really takes a liking to it. And uh, you know, if if she likes it, she does, and that's great. And right. like, I'm gonna support her a thousand percent on it because um, she's growing up in neighborhoods where there are curbs. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, Pat, you know we're coming down to the end of it. Yeah. I, I want to thank you once again for coming yeah, on. You're sure. welcome here anytime. Maybe one day we can have the whole band in here, and it. we can yeah. do do. Here, yeah. yeah, we can rock out, yeah. but um. You know, we just went over it, but can you go over it once, once, one more time? How people can keep up to date with the uh, City Lines? Yeah, so check us out at uh, City Lines Music um, on Instagram, and then citylinesmusic.com is our website. Um, yeah, shoot, shoot me a line. Um, like I said, I I love connecting with people. I love talking about guitars. I love talking about uh, firefighting and punk rock and songwriting and. Um, yeah, so hit us up. Um, we're local dudes just kind of having fun with this thing. Yeah, one more thing. If yeah. anybody wants to buy the record, what's the easiest way to buy the record yeah. online? Yep, so we're going to have them in person, um, uh, vinyl, uh, at our shows. Um, those should be coming in shortly. Um, you can pre-order it uh, from our website, citylinesmusic.com. 
and um, yeah, like we're on Spotify too. That's a yeah. uh, the digital download yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And, and we're also on Bandcamp, and I need to be better about pushing social media stuff and stuff like that. So I appreciate that. Yeah, um, yeah. Please check it out. Uh, go listen to the album and shoot me a note about it. Uh, would love to hear what you think about it either way. Right on. Well, thank you once again. And uh, you agreed to close the show with another yeah. another cut yeah. from the City Line. So thank you guys so much. And to close this week's show, uh, my man Pat's going to close us out with some more City Lines, man. Let's do it. Oh, and I'm sorry. I have to say one more thing. This little figure here, I didn't want to say anything in the middle at the beginning because everybody would stare at it. But uh, my buddy James uh, said, he's like, you know... All your skateboards got a Frankenstein guy. I'm going to a monster convention. I'm going to see if I can find an action figure. And he did. And then he made a Gerald Valley fingerboard for Frankenstein to hold. So I want to thank you, James. It's freaking rad. And I appreciate it. So uh, that's all. But um, whenever you're ready, brother. Yeah. Let's get this one here. Yeah, I love that. It's, it's super cool. It's so rad. Yeah. I have to close this fucking. I love or, it. Or This is Pat Denau from the City Lines. The song's called Lightning Bolt. Oh, I feel my heartbeat in my head. Ran down the store to get some payment. Hanging around this town since I was a kid I'm finally digging up some inspiration Oh, I know I can already tell how this one is gonna go Tomorrow I'll crawl back to work And try not to be such a jerk I can't make any guarantees Yes, anyway, I make it to the store I forget what I came all the way down here for I grab some bells, beer, and better made chips Spend the afternoon trying to write a hit, yeah oh, Got a couple good ideas None of them seem to make it down to my plan I guess it's the fun of this I'm trying to capture a bolt of lightning
I'm chasing my day in Awesome. Thanks, man. This is Pat. I am Gerald, and this is the drop in.